Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Every day, we rise. Challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you're ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers. Are you tired of working nine to five? Are you tired of your dreams going unfulfilled? Are you still letting fear stop you from pursuing that business idea? Well, all that stops today. I'm Shawnee Sanders, host of the Girl Take No podcast, a podcast for ambitious women looking to ditch their nine to five and take the leap into entrepreneurship. Each week, you will learn the mindset, methods, and actionable steps other successful entrepreneurs took to make the shift from full-time employee to full-time entrepreneur and live the life they always dreamed of. Now let's get into today's episode. Hey guys, welcome to the Girl Take No Podcast. I am your host, Shawnee Sanders, and today I have with me special guest, Jim White. I'm sorry. Yes, Jim White. I'm about to say Jim Founder. <laughs> Jim White. I know, right? He's founder of the Family Enrichment Academy. He is author of How to Be the Best Parent, How to Be, How to be the Parent Your Team Needs You to Be, which is a very good topic. I want to talk about that. He's been married 40 years. He has six kids, 12 grandchildren. Let's say he is a veteran in the game. Okay. <laughs> when it comes to family, Jim, welcome to the show. Absolutely. A pleasure and glad to be here. Thank you so much for taking the time. I think this is going to be a really good conversation when it comes around parenting, especially parenting teens, as I have a lot of friends who children are moving to that preteen teenager stage and you know, they're, they're acting different <laughs> and parenting them. It's, it's a real transition. It's a real transition to see them kind of grow. So I think it's going to be a great conversation. But before we get into that, I want you to give me the story behind the brand. What made you get into not just your 40 years of being married to being a dad and stuff like that, but what made you start the Family Enrichment Academy? Well, and actually the two things are connected, the, you know, the time spent as a dad. Um, and in the way I would describe it, you know, I, I've always had a passion for personal development, uh, mm. parenting, marriage, you know, just that, that area. Yeah. And, so, and I've spent the last 40 years studying the topic, to be quite honest. But more <laughs> importantly, I've also spent the 40 years applying the lessons learned as a parent and as a husband. And mm -hmm. um, actually, when I tell the story, I'd like to, to use the analogy of a hero's two journeys. And mm -hmm. I know you do a lot of storytelling, so you may be familiar with that idea. But mm -hmm. for your audience that's not, the premise is that in any movie or book, the hero or the main character is on two different journeys. The first journey mm -hmm. is a journey of accomplishment. You know, there's some goal or task that they're trying to accomplish. And as and it's entertaining, but what makes the yeah. story compelling is the second journey, and that's known as the journey of fulfillment. And so what's mm -hmm. happening is the main character is they're pursuing that outside goal. They're also going through this internal transformation, right? They're discovering new principles, values, and beliefs that just make their life work better. Yeah. And that's the second journey. So how this connects to me in my in my role as a parent is, as you can imagine, there was a lot of outside tasks to accomplish. Mm -hmm. with six kids, you know, we had yeah. all to help with meals to cook, yeah. places to be. I, I like to say that we were six kids busy, which was you know, very busy, right? And yes. So, but what's interesting is, as I was doing all that stuff that a parent does, you know, all that outside task. I was also experiencing this amazing internal transformation as well. And mm -hmm. it was just through my interest in personal development, parenting, parenting and marriage, you know, I was discovering the principles, values and beliefs that just made our family work better. 
right? Yes. And so mm -hmm. that process was happening. And actually for me, um, it's been over 20 years ago now, I actually started writing a little bit, almost like think of it as like journaling. And it was a way for me to process ideas and thoughts and, and you know, just sort of engage with that growth process. Yeah. Well, where I'm at now and sort of how I've gotten here is my kids, for the most part, are grown and gone. My youngest is 21, actually. Mm. She's in college. And you mentioned I have grandchildren, which actually I need to update that. I've had another one since I wrote that. Oh, wow. Congratulations. <laughs> but I find myself at a point in my life where... I, the only way for me to describe it is that I'm feeling called to share mm. some of the wisdom gained over these last 40 years. And yeah. so I formed that Family Enrichment Academy out of that calling. And, and I'll just go ahead and share two of the fundamental beliefs that have sort of evolved. And this is the at the core of what we try to do is the idea that everyone deserves to be seen for who they are and loved unconditionally. So that's mm -hmm. sort of the first premise. And then the second premise is that we all deserve to be surrounded by others that lift us up and empower us to be our absolute best. Mm -hmm. So those are like two sort of foundational beliefs that sort of led to me forming the Family Enrichment Academy. And then what we did, to be quite honest, the mission is to empower families. And we'll talk about this going forward. But yeah. the goal is to empower families to choose love over fear regardless of the circumstance that they're dealing with. And mm -hmm. then, you know, how I do that is, you know, I published a book that you mentioned. I do one-on-one -on -one coaching. I do workshops. I produce content on a regular basis. It's all mm -hmm. sort of in line with that, those principles and values. So that's sort of the 40-year journey of how I, how I got here and then sitting with you today. Yes. I like that to love unconditionally. You know, it's so funny you mentioned that because I was just having a conversation with my girlfriends and, you know, we're all married and we talk about relationships. I know there's not parenting, but the unconditional piece of love, I feel like today a lot of people love with conditions, yeah. meaning like I'll love you if you don't do this and if you don't do that. You know, do you do do we think parenting works that way too. Not that they don't love them, but the fact that I love you more and you'll get more if you behave like this and if you do this and if you do your chores and if you do that, then you get more love from a person. Do you think parents kind of like, as parents, we kind of like fall into that kind of realm as well? Absolutely. And actually, I'll, I'll reposition it a little bit rather than mm -hmm. saying unconditional love. Yeah. And I mentioned this. I, I encourage parents to think of it this way. All of us within us, we have two competing mindsets. One of the mindsets is fear-based mm -hmm. and the other one is love-based. And yeah. every moment of every day, we're engaging either from that fearful mindset or from the loving mindset. Mm -hmm. And what you're That's describing true. is the unconditional love. I would say it's really you're coming from more of a fear. It's not really love. Yeah. <laughs> it's unconditional. It's you're, you're fearful. And yeah. like, let's say a teenager doesn't do something that the parent wants them to do. To be quite honest, a lot of time the parent is embarrassed by that, let's say. And so they're yeah. starting to feel some fear around, oh, I'm not good enough or I'm not doing the right, you know, I'm not parenting correctly. Mm -hmm. and so out of that fear, they respond. And typically it comes across as being like unconditional love. It's like, okay, you need to do this and then I'll feel better and then we can go forward. Well, Part of my work with parents is helping them to be intentional in choosing mm -hmm. to be more love-based and recognizing when they're not being love-based. And, and, and to be quite honest, part, a lot of us, the fearful response has become the, the default, if you will, or yeah. the natural yeah. response. We tend to go to that first. And we've been conditioned that way. And so sometimes it's a little bit of a ch challenge to start to shift into more of a love-based mindset. It's kind of, I like to use the analogy of health and wellness a lot. And yeah. You know, we get used to eating donuts every day. It's hard to break that <laughs> yeah. habit, right? Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> so it is. It is. It's a matter of, of starting to break those habits of being more fearful in our response. Um, so, I, I, you know, parents obviously love their children, but mm -hmm. we don't always act out of that love. And yeah, distinction, you know, in a moment. And it's when life, I like to say life puts the squeeze on you, you know, something happens, puts some pressure on. And a lot of times when that pressure comes, we tend to act more out of the fearful mindset. So that's yeah, another way of, of saying what you were what you mentioned. 
Yeah. You know, I was watching something um, just the other day and a young man was this dating show. I think it's called Love is Blind. And he talked about his father and he said that he's afraid that he's going to raise his children like his father did, which is because the woman was like, I don't want to be very strict on my kids because my parents are so strict on me. They're very religious. and They're very strict on me. And I don't want to be like that. My children, his thing, his thing was that he's so afraid that he's going to be like his dad because like his dad, because what his dad did to him was he wasn't good at math. And his dad said to him, oh, or if you're not good at math, then you're going to get taken advantage of. And you're going to end up being like a bum on the street begging for pennies and I'm going I'm to drive past you. And he's talked about how that really affected him. Right. And he said that, you know what, I, I don't blame my father for what he did because what he, he, what he thought he was doing was positive, you know what I mean, positive parenting. Right. And so I think about that a lot because I think about how the older generation were raised, you know, and a lot of them, like one of my sisters always complained how my mom says, oh, you never tell me you love me. And I think I'm the youngest of my, well, I'm a big family too. I'm the youngest of 12. And um, my mom, my mom always said it to me because, you know, I'm the baby. I came last, right. but that was always her complaint. And I feel like, you know, our parents only parent from what they saw. And how their parents did. And they felt like, well, if they work with me, then it needs to work with you. But the young man mentioned how his dad saying that to him really affected him. So let's talk about how important is it, the power of words, especially when it comes to teenagers, you know, and how we speak to them and what we say to them and how we encourage them. Because sometimes parents think, now that I learned from you, operating out of fear, you think if I say this, it's going to make you... If I say, you know what, you're going to end up not being nothing in life if you don't do this. You know, they were thinking that's a positive thing because it'll motivate them to want to be something. So let's talk about words and how they can affect a child's psyche and their way of becoming a parent as well. Right. And, and the words are very powerful. And, it, mm -hmm. and it, they come from how you're seeing the situation, how the parent sees, which real quick before we get to that, it's yeah. interesting. People tend to either parent just like their parents did, because that's just mm -hmm. what they know. Or as you mentioned too, sometimes they say, I'm going to go complete opposite. It's yeah. Like, you know, I need to go complete. And so they really try to be intentional about being the opposite of their parents. Yeah. It's kind of an interesting di dynamic. And part of the, you know, I get this a lot too, is the idea of how can I break the cycle? You know, mm -hmm. sometimes there's this repeating cycle from generation to generation and they want to, to break. Exactly. It. And to be quite honest, the, the first step in that is to adopt that growth mindset, the mm -hmm. idea that you can grow, you can learn, you can develop. And with that, things can be different tomorrow than they are today. Right. And mm -hmm. that all comes from that growth mindset. And that's really the source of hope when you think yeah. about it. that's where the hope yeah. comes from was when you realize, OK, things can be different tomorrow. And then. You know, to the to the comment about words, I mean, words are very powerful. And, but I would also assert that the context that a parent speaks from, I mean, I can say I love you, but if I do it from a a mean place or a sarcastic mm -hmm. place, it, you mm -hmm. know, it, we communicate by our context as well. And just our presence will communicate also. So I would you know, add that to this. And that's why. It, the title of my book is How to Be the Parent Your Teen Needs You to Be. That yeah. is very important. We it want to is. be love-based and we want to engage from a love-based perspective because that will come through as well when you say the words also. So there's mm -hmm. it's a combination of both. And, you know, and part of what I try to coach parents on is, you know, shifting that mindset. And then it's a matter of, okay, like you mentioned, somebody who's bad at math and dad yeah. you know, kind of leaned on say, hey, if you're not good at this, if you think they're trying to use fear as a motivator in that case. Mm -hmm. And in that, to be quite honest, what the teen then feels is they feel not good enough and they start to feel isolated and they start, they feel disconnected. Exactly. And, and that disconnect is a scary place to be. We mm -hmm. think about for you, for me, for any of us, if we feel yep. isolated or alone or different, that disconnection is it's fearful and we become fearful. And so part of my message for parents is build connection. That's one of the key fundamentals is how do we mm -hmm. build connection? And then, as I mentioned, how do we then empower the team to be their absolute best? Yeah. The subject is math. 
it's it's a matter of okay, how can we empower? And, and part of it's seeing them for who they are. I mean, we're not all the same when it comes to math. I don't know. How I, you I wasn't good in it either. <laughs> Yeah, it was a strong suit for me, not for everybody. Yeah. And, and so it's seeing them for who they are. And for one child, you know, getting a B in algebra mm-hmm. could be a huge accomplishment. And yeah. for another, you know, they, they need the advanced calculus class and they should get an A plus in it just because yeah. of their skill set, right? And so part of the parent's role is to recognize and see the child for who they are and then work to empower them to be their absolute best. Yeah. So, you know, it's a, and it just that shift in mindset will have you shift your words. Then it's not, you know, Hey, you need to do this no matter what it's, it's how can we help you to be your best at algebra or math or whatever it is. Yeah. But, and, and part of the, the message with teens is to shift some responsibility to them and start to teach them to like a huge thing that I think gets missed a lot is the idea of teaching your teen to be resourceful, right? Mm-hmm. And now we can teach them math all day long, but a much more important skill is to learn to be resourceful. Yeah. We can use the math class as a vehicle for teaching resourcefulness, right? So mm-hmm. you say to the teen, you know, what could you do that would help you get through this class? What resources, you know, you know, could you talk to the teacher? Do you do a study group? You start yeah. having them think through and, and try to come up with solutions to solve that problem for them. You know, what's your goal for this? What you, know, you ask the teen, you know, what would be a stretch goal for you in this math class? And they might say, I'd like to get a B. OK, yeah. Where are you right now? I'm at a C minus. What do you need to do between now and the end of the semester to get to the B? You know, you start walking them through and having them learn to think through a situation and help to solve their own problems. That's the shift that happens when you're a teenager. And so then, mm-hmm. of course, your words in that case, as you can see, the words become more like questions. It's not like a, a statement yes. of demand. It's a question. Yeah. And it's and um, it's a presence of how mm-hmm. you're being with them that communicates that you love them and you see them for who they are and you're there in support of them becoming the best they could possibly be. Yeah, kind of a long-winded answer, but no, I mean, it's, it's 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 definitely a good answer. You know, how do you, as a parent, because every child is different, you know, and if you have multiple kids in your house, as you know, because you did, how do you, as a parent, try to parent each child differently to try to meet them where they are? Like, how do you do that as a parent? And for me, it's like there's certain fundamentals, and so you sort mm-hmm. of lean on the fundamentals, and then it just you sort of customize from there, if you will. Yeah. And, those, and the three fundamentals, and these are the three that I talk about in the book. And the first one is the parent's mindset, which mm-hmm. we've talked about. It's really trying to be mindful intention, and intentional about my own mindset as a parent. Yeah. Try to stay grounded in love. So that's the first thing. Um, because if I can stay grounded in love, I'm going to be in a good place then to engage with the child you know, whichever one we're talking about. Mm-hmm. The second fundamental is building connection. You know, how do yeah. I build connection with the child? Yeah. Now, I've got boys and girls. So, you know, for my boy, and this is how it's different, you know, building connection with him might mean going out into the driveway and playing one-on-one basketball, right? Yeah. Being playful and doing, engaging in a way that's, that's playful with him. Uh, for my daughter, that's not the way I engage to build connection yeah. with her, you yeah. know, maybe we go on a bike ride or maybe we, you know, take a walk around the lake and she talks or, you know, there's yeah. other ways. So, but the premise is the fundamental is building connection. How do I build connection with them? Mm-hmm. And based on the child's personality, their likes, their interests, you may have some, some differences there. And then the third fundamental is the idea of empowerment. How do I empower them to be their best? Yeah. And that's really where the parent, has to try to, again, we talked about seeing them for who they are and what are mm-hmm. their strengths and mm-hmm. identifying where they are. And it's and it's happened within our family, and I'm sure families that are out there are like this, where let's take driving, for example. Yeah. Um, I had one of my daughters that was, an, you know, good driver, ready to go. She turned 16, she, you know, completely comfortable. Another one, it was she wasn't until she was 17 or that she was really ready to drive mm-hmm. it's because they're different, right? And mm-hmm. so it's recognizing that. And part of what you see is if, you know, when we would look is that my daughter that was not ready, she was still anxious about it, right? Yeah. And you try to be open and see that in them. But part of it is 
you know, here's here's an example of a parent um, dismissing feelings. You know, mm-hmm. she's anxious. Some parents might say, well, you don't need to be anxious. You'll be fine. You'll be okay. When you say stuff like that, you're dismissing yeah. what they're going through yeah. as opposed to just saying, oh, it seems like you're anxious, sort of acknowledging that and, and being open to that's okay. See, that's the other part of it is if when you come from that love-based perspective, you're forgiving and you're compassionate. So it's okay if she didn't start driving until she was 17. That's, yeah. You know, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. Um, and it's a matter of agenda at some time. So if you try to keep the parent's agenda out and really just be there, I like to say sometimes in service of the child, what does mm-hmm. the teenager need from me right now to move them forward on their journey? Right. Because they're on a journey as well. Yeah. And all teens are different. Yeah. So if we can keep in mind that our job is to serve them with what is it that they need at that moment to move them forward. Um, that's a good way to kind of work then because different kids need different stuff, right? They yeah. It, and they need it at different times. Yeah. You know, how do you talk to the single parent who probably has, you know, children, multiple kids, busy life, and it's hard for them to invest in their kids to really get to know each individually? You know, how do you talk to that parent who's just kind of like overworked, tired, and um, and maybe lacks in that area. What kind of motivation words can you give them or what kind of tips you can give them to help them better understand their teenager? Yeah. Yeah. And it is, it can be a challenge, you know, if you're a yeah. parent, you know, I have not experienced that personally, obviously yeah. we've been married, but I know that parents do deal with that. And mm-hmm. one thing is, like I say, one of the keys is your own mindset and that mm-hmm. doesn't take any extra time. And yet you can be very intentional about trying to be mindful of your mindset. And yeah. the interesting thing is I would throw out that if you're more fearful, that drains your energy. You yeah. know, and one of the things you hear a lot from you know parents that are in that is that they're just, they're overwhelmed and they're struggling and they feel mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's tiring to, mm-hmm. to be there. And so one step forward is just for them. You know, they deserve to be in a better place. And I would encourage them to think in terms of their mindset and their perspective and trying to be more Mm love-based. And as they do that, they'll find themselves feeling more energized. They'll feel more on purpose. And and two fundamentals that come out of being more love-based, the first one is being Mm growth-oriented. And to be quite honest, I think a lot of times what happens with Parent, and it could be in any situation, but what you're describing is, and we mentioned, there's a loss of hope. You know, there's yeah. not a hope that tomorrow can be different or better than today. Yeah. And regaining that hope provides energy and allows you to step into things. And that starts with having a growth mindset. You mm-hmm. have to, to adopt the idea that I can grow and develop and tomorrow can be better than today. So, you know, that becomes a, a critical component for, for that parent. Um, and then the second thing, oddly enough, is the idea of being of service to something else or to somebody yeah. else. And if you feel like you're in service to something and you feel more purposeful in what yeah. you're doing. And in this situation, I mentioned, you know, being of service to your child, you know, how am I serving them? Mm-hmm. Um, and a lot of times people say, well, you know, I need somebody to help me or serve me. <laughs> yeah. It, it, but it's the odd thing about it is it's that old to give is to receive. Mm-hmm. And if you start to take on that service mindset, you feel more fulfilled without somebody serving you, if that makes yeah. sense. You know, that it, does it, make sense. You know, you start to feel more filled up. And so, you know, being intentional about mindset, I think, for that parent is the first thing. And trying to be more love-centered and love-based will help them. And then that puts them in a position to then connect and empower their team. And I would assert there too that if time's an issue and they feel like they're constantly running, mm-hmm. um, there's a it doesn't necessarily take more time. It, it, the belief is I have to invest more time, and so I'm going to attack that belief and say well, I don't know that that's necessarily true. I yeah, mean, if you're carpooling, when you're driving in that car, you're spending 15 minutes in it no, no matter what. So the question is, how are you utilizing that time? Yeah. It's not a matter of having another 15 minutes. It's a matter of more effectively using the 15 minutes you have in the car with the child, bringing them back from school or, you know, wherever it is that you're going. Yeah. Um, You know, that morning time, you know, when they're getting ready for school, 
it, you know, that time's there. It's a question of how effectively are you using it or could you be more effective and have it be more pleasant? You know, a lot of times people complain because it's, it's a fight, right? It's, yeah. It's a constant struggle with things. Well, we can turn, transform that into being a pleasant engagement, you know, then everything's better. And again, yeah. it doesn't take more time. Time is not necessarily the issue. It's the quality of the, the connection and where you're coming from as a parent. Yeah. You know, I like that. Yeah, it starts with the parent, I think. Yeah, I like that, you know, because you keep mentioning on mindset and the growth mindset, you know, and to leave with love. Because like I said, I think a lot of myself included too, probably leave with fear. And and the reason why, because I was going to bring this up to you, Jim, is that today in this, in today's world, it is a scary place as a parent, you know, to have children, not just teenagers, but just young children, because there's so many things that they can fall prey to. And when you think about this digital world that we live in with social media and everything's online and our kids are exposed to everything now, how as a parent can you, how are you supposed to deal with that? Because now a lot of times our kids are getting most of the information from social media versus coming to their parents for it. And, you know, and I think about how kids are being lured offline, you know, so one question is that how do a parent deal with the digital aspect of parenting now. And the second question I want to ask you is, how do you build trust in your child? And I want to give you, um, I'm going to give an example of what I'm talking about, but I'll let you answer the first question though. Yeah. So, and actually it's interesting, social media and the digital world yeah. is a, a lot of what I end up talking to parents about. Yeah. And interestingly, they, um, you know, there's been a lot of rise in anxiety with mm-hmm. and, a lot of that can be attributed to social media mm-hmm. and there in, in just what the engagement with social media, what the, the term is, it's the idea of upward social comparison. Mm-hmm. So your teen is on there and they're watching things happen on social media and they're comparison, comparing themselves and their life to what's going yeah. on, on, on social media. Well, one of the issues is we don't know what's really true, right? On exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So, you only get a snippet. <laughs> and I don't know if you've ever heard the uh, saying that comparison is the thief of joy. I like that. I haven't heard it, but that is true. Yeah, it's true for all of us as adults. Yeah. We compare ourselves to other people and it but it, it has a tendency to rob us rather than us just being grateful for mm-hmm. where we are and what's going mm-hmm. on in our life and how can I yep. move, you know, one step forward tomorrow. So um so anyway, back to the social media question though, one of the best lines of defense that a parent can put up, if you will, against social media. And this would, would have been the same thing, go back 30 years, if somebody mm-hmm. would ask me about peer pressure, for example. Yeah. Um, and the, one of the best lines of defense is, a, is the quality of the connection to the parent and to the family. Mm-hmm. And the deeper and richer that connection, what happens is the child then knows that they have a safe place. So when they feel isolated or alone or they feel that pressure to do something that maybe they shouldn't do, when they say, you know, I shouldn't do that and I know I can go home and it's safe there and I'll be okay, as opposed to I shouldn't do that, I have nowhere safe to go and if I do it, then I'll be accepted by this group Mm -hmm. kind of a thing. It provides that alternative or a safe place for them to go. And the other thing that connection communicates is that they're unconditionally loved. Yeah, it's it's safety there. And and so having that connection creates a line of defense against all the stuff that's going on with social media. And I I just encourage parents not to underestimate the power of that. And so one of in 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 the teen years, what happens naturally is there starts to be some disconnect. Right. Yeah. And parents will say, I feel disconnected from my teen. They won't Mm -hmm. talk to me or when I Mm -hmm. talk to them, they won't listen to me. Yeah. That's a natural process that happens because they're becoming adult and they want they start to pull away, which is a good thing because they're Mm -hmm. wanting to be independent. But yet at the same time, they need to stay connected. Yeah. So our role as the parent is to be very intentional about trying to maintain and develop and enrich that connection and that that. relationship with the teen. And that's mm-hmm. just so powerful for the teen. And I th- again, I think we underestimate it, um, how much impact that can have. And so that's the first place I would point parents, you know, as a way to combat what's going on in social media. Yeah. Because then what happens, the connection, and then part of this, how all these things are linked together, 
your ability to influence or empower your teenager is directly related to the quality of the connection that you have. Mm-hmm. Right? And I like so that, yeah. A really good, deep, and rich connection. When I say to my teen, you know, I don't know if you can believe everything you see on social media. They're going to listen to that, right? They're going to yes. take heed in that. And then we can have a discussion about it. If we're disconnected and they think I'm crazy and, you know, I have <laughs> I don't have their back. And I say, yeah. well, I don't know if you can believe everything you see on social media. They don't listen, right? They won't mm-hmm. take that in. And so part of the reason the connection is so important is because it then opens up the opportunity to have those discussions about, you know, what's appropriate behavior on social media? Um, should you um, engage with somebody you don't know? Or mm-hmm. you know, if, if um, there's talk of, of drugs or sex or alcohol or whatever, yeah. you know, how do you, you could start to have those conversations that are meaningful, but you can't have them unless you got that quality connection first. Yeah. Um, and then, you know, another thing I'll talk to parents about is you go through and you look at, you have your teenager pull up their social media and you say, you know what, I'm curious. Why don't you show me a post that you think is inappropriate and let them come in. Oh, this, see this, why, why is, what's wrong with that? Let them tell you again, that builds connection. It gives the teenager a sense that you're interested in their opinion, right? Mm-hmm. You're, you see them and then you can then interject some of your opinion. You can say, well, you know, this, I don't think this, you know, here's one I think is not appropriate, but you're having a discussion at that point um, as opposed to just you sort of dictating or trying to dictate or control what's going on. So, but it all starts with connection. You got to have that connection first. So that's the the first line of defense. Yeah. I think that's important. That connection piece. And, you know, I want to touch back on that because it's like, for a lot of parents, you know, you think you have that connection. You believe you do, at least, you know, and then something happens and you realize, which lead me to this question with trust is that, okay, maybe I don't have that connection and maybe my, I I don't, I can't trust him as much as I thought I could. So I was watching something on um, TV and I think it's one of those things where they lure kids out to see if they will fall for it, try to do a fake account, meet them online and see if they will actually come. So this young girl, she was probably 15 years old. And her mom was there and her mom was like, oh, no, she would never go. She would tell me what's going on and she would never go to a stranger's home. Come to find out the little girl did. The guy asked her to come to the house. She showed up to the house. A grown man opened the door. She walks up the steps. She goes in the bedroom and then they close the door. And then this person jumps out in all black and it ended up being her mom. And her mom was so upset, so disappointed because she said, I thought we had more trust. I thought I had more trust in her. I thought she trusted me enough to know what was right for her. So how do you as a parent in that situation where you think that you have, you can trust your child? And that's when we, we parent from that fear place because now I'm like, okay, right. now I got to scare you. I got to scare you. I got to scare the hell out of you now because you're not doing what I thought you would do. So what do you tell that parent who? Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. When you visit Arizona, time is measured in moments, not minutes. Like the moment you see the Grand Canyon for the first time. <sighs> visit a new state of mind. Learn more at hereyouareaz.com feel like okay my trust has now just been completely depleted from this person because I thought I can trust I thought I taught her better and now I know that I can't because this could have been deadly for her right absolutely and it's a great question and there's you know a couple things there first of all I would encourage parents any parent listening to this to really keep in mind that parenting is a journey right yeah and every day you're confronted with a new situation, a new, and for most parents, it's the first time they confronted it, right? If, mm-hmm. if your oldest child, when they turn 14, that's the first time you've ever had a 14-year-old yeah. dealing with 14-year-old issues, right? Yeah. So guess what? Next year, they're going to be 15, and that's the first time <laughs> you ever dealt with a 15-year-old, right? And, and part of why I say that is because it's ever-evolving and changing. And so yeah. don't, 
don't expect that you're not going to be confronted with situations that you weren't expecting because it's just going to happen. So the question is then, as you said, how do you respond to that? Where do you go? Mm -hmm. So the first thing, again, back to, you know, try to get more grounded in love. And I know that this, when something like this happens, what you've described, it's fearful, right? You fear mm -hmm. for Scared. what happen. Mm -hmm. And, you know, that's a part of it. And I think, you know, part of the process, it's interesting, like building connection with the teen would be the parent being vulnerable. That's one of my mm -hmm. ways to build connection in the book is the idea of being vulnerable about that fear. And that's okay. But that allows you, but the parent, eventually the parent, what I would say though, is you don't want to respond out of that fear. I mean, you're going to have mm -hmm. it. So let it process, let it dissipate. You're going to be disappointed, frustrated, anger, whatever mm -hmm. that might be, let it process. And then the next question is, okay, now that I'm sort of regrounded back from a love-based perspective, how do we move forward and rebuild that trust? Yeah. And, you know, that comes from, you know, when as, the, as your child becomes a teenager and as they move through those teen years is having that conversation with them. I believe, you know, there's a gap. I like to use the idea of a gap. You know, mm -hmm. Now we have this gap of trust that's broken down and, you know, between the teen and the parent. How do we rebuild that trust and have the teen engage with that a little bit? You know, have them mm -hmm. come up, well, you know, maybe, you know, I have to call every, you know, 10 minutes or you, I yeah. need to let you check my social media feed or, you know. And, but the point is that there's a plan to get to where the trust is regained. I yeah, think that's the key. I think a lot of times what happens, happens in those situations is the parent just responds and they it's like a punishment. It's like, boom, yeah. here's what we're going to do. Yeah, because it's like, you're off social media. <laughs> yeah, as a teenager, if you say, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to take away your phone. We're going to get you off social media. To mm -hmm. the teenager, it feels like that's forever. Yeah. Because there's not a plan to bridge the gap to get back to where ultimately they need to be, which is to be able to make a responsible choice, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the ultimate goal, goal is you want to have the, the child develop the ability to make a responsible choice. And what we're saying in your scenario you described is they aren't ready for that yet, right? They yeah. They haven't been able to do that. Yeah. And so now let's design a plan that helps you to develop that awareness. And again, that's where every child's different. Some yeah. mature quicker than others. And so, you know, the parent may have to exercise a little bit more control over one child than another as far as controlling the environment, let's say. Mm -hmm. and, but always what I always like to encourage me is with the idea of how do I help that child develop along their journey? It's mm -hmm. not just control it until I feel like it's okay. It's control it. And what's the next thing I can do to help them learn and grow? And what's the next thing that, you know, what's, can I give them a little bit of responsibility and let's see how they do with that. You know, yeah. give them a little bit more, see how they do with that. So there's always that plan to, to grow and learn and develop and communicate that to the child because then the child feels hopeful, right? They know yeah. that. Um, another one that I like to use as an example is the idea of when they get the driver's license, you know, the child comes up to you and says, Hey, there's an away football game. It's 30 miles across town. I want to go. Well, the parent may not feel comfortable with that. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they say, no, you can't go. Well, if that's all the child hears to them, it's a hard no forever. Yeah. And if the parent says, says, you know what, I'm not comfortable with that right now. I don't feel like you're quite ready, but let's think about if, if we, what do we need to do between now and a month from now when the next away game is to help build my confidence and help me feel comfortable and help you feel comfortable so that when that comes up, we are ready to go. What's yeah. the plan? And that, that has a completely different feel to it than at that point. Um, yeah. Because there's again, it's a growth opportunity, and there's and it's again, it's back to that parent being able to serve the child, and yeah. help them develop and, and grow and learn as a person. So, um, you know, it's hard when trust is broken. You know that, and, and another thing I would throw out a lot of times we talk about using um, natural consequences. Mm -hmm. You know, if a child does something, you know, what are the natural consequences? Well, one of the most common ones is a break in trust. And, yeah. And again, I think that needs to be brought up to the child. Say, hey, you know what? You didn't come home. You were supposed to be home at 10 o'clock and you didn't get home until 1030. You didn't call. Mm -hmm. FYI, that breaks the trust between me and you. That damages our relationship. Mm -hmm. We have to work to rebuild it. And that's a consequence. So consequently, I'm not comfortable with you going next week. 
Yeah. Or there's going to be additional restrictions on next week because of that. And that's the consequence of, you know, making a bad choice in that case. Yeah. Trust is, it's a huge issue, obviously. It really is. go on forever, probably. I know. It really is because as soon as that happened, my mindset too was, oh my God, you're all social media. You know what I mean? So I like how you said that it needs to be a plan to regain trust versus if it breaks, you're done. You're never getting on social media again until you're 18 or maybe 21. And I can trust that you can handle it because that was a very scary situation. And so you're right. A lot of times I remember me when I got in trouble when I was younger, it was not really a plan to regain stuff. It was more so like you did this, you're not doing this. And that's just it. You know, and so let me get your thoughts on, there's been a lot of debate around the word no with children. And some people feel like, oh, you shouldn't use the word no. It really, um, I guess it really does something to the kids where it makes them feel like they can't do something. And they say they wanted you to use alternative words like, oh, maybe not right now, or let's do something different. Let's try something else. How do you feel about, I use the word no, but since I've been reading up on it, how people are parenting differently, I'm more conscious in terms of like when I use it and kind of like, oh, should I use a different word at time? So how do you feel about the debate around the word no when it comes to kids? You know, a couple of things. One is context. Again, where you're coming mm-hmm. from is really critical. We yeah. You really are coming from a love-based perspective and you say no, um, it doesn't have the, it's not as harsh as if it's out of anger, for example. I mean, if you respond out of frustration or anger and you say no, it's going to feel more, it's going to damage the relationship more Mm -hmm. if it's coming from anger as opposed to more of a compassionate no. Um, So I I don't know, you know, the the idea of no, and again, with a teenager, again, I would, uh, encourage parents to think of what's the long-term goal. I mean, ultimately you want your teenager to grow into an adult and to be able to go out and have a joyful and purposeful life and Mm -hmm. be able to function as an adult. Right. And so that's the ultimate goal. And so whatever it is that you would say no about, like for example, driving across town right now, ultimately they need to be able to do that. Right. Yeah. Um, Or, Social media, the other thing I would, you know, social media, if you try to control it too much, and you can imagine, and if you say, I'm taking away your social media, what's immediately the teenagers starting to think about? Oh, how yeah. can I, how how can can I, I get on it? Anyway? How can I get <laughs> yeah. around this, right? They're going to start plotting and scheming for how mm-hmm. they can do that. So it's not about trying to control it. It's about how do we start to teach responsible behavior? How do we teach them? I mentioned resourcefulness and how do we, mm-hmm. so that's the ultimate goal which goes back to the idea of it's not no forever, it's not no for now kind of a thing. And then how do, yeah. we, how do we build from that and how do we go forward? So I think it's okay to say no today, but then on top of that, how do we get you to where you need to be? It's that then growth that's important to add to it. And I think what happens a lot of times and where the negativity around no is, it's just no without any follow-up. Yeah, it is. Any, any <laughs> sense of, okay, where do we go from here? It's, yeah. It's, no different it's like a hard no. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, it, if you think about it, it's, it's no different than we talked about a math class. If mm-hmm. I'm in a math class and I fill out a, a problem and I get it wrong, in effect, when the teacher says, no, this is wrong, it's, it's that's a no, right? Yeah. They don't just leave me with, okay, you're stuck there. It's okay. How do we now teach you so that you can get the yes next time? Mm-hmm. You know, correct next time. And it's the same thing. I mean, if it's, you know, part of that message, if you just say no without anything else is you'll never get it or you're not yeah. good enough. But if you say no, we can't do this today, but okay, what did we do to grow and move forward? There's that sense of hope that gets attached to it and enough yeah. to grow and develop and learn into it. And it's the same for a younger child too. It's, you know, not right now or no, but how do we, you know, how can we get you there? Yeah. Yeah, that's true. I guess why kids always know like the word no so quickly because they hear it so much. That's what a lot of parents are saying. Kids learn no so easily because they hear it all the time. So that's why they like, we need to start changing that up. So let me ask you this, because a lot of people talk about, 
you should be friends with your kids, right? When they become teenagers, try to be their friend and that will help them open up to you. And I know my mom mindset was like, I'm not your friend, I'm your parent. It's a difference. How do you feel about that conversation around being friends with your kids versus being a parent? So I'll, I'll, the premise of that question, which I love the question, <laughs> is that because what the parent is missing there, what they feel like they're missing is a strong connection, right? They mm -hmm. don't feel like they can talk and the team will yeah. listen to them. And so my solution for that is to try to become their friend because mm -hmm. they talk to their friends. Yeah. And I challenge that premise and say, as a parent, you can still have an awesome connection with your team and you can have great conversations with your team. But as a parent, not as a friend, because part of what the parent provides is wisdom. Right? Yes. You mm -hmm. are the parent. That means you're in this place of wisdom and expertise and and you are their parent. I mean, there's, there's no way around that. and you will be forever. And to be, I have adult children now. Right. Mm -hmm. I'm still the parent, even though they're often parents themselves. Yeah. And they still come to me. My one of my sons called me two days ago, had a question on his tax return. Right. Yeah. It's, yeah. He's coming to a place of wisdom, but we have a relationship where we can have that conversation. So mm -hmm. I understand the parents pain point, which is they feel disconnected. Mm -hmm. But I would encourage them to say, OK, let's build connection in a way that I can still be the parent, the source of wisdom, the source of principles, values and beliefs. Mm -hmm. And but yet still have really meaningful and engaging conversations. And that starts with being love based and focusing on building connection. And let me do, I'll give you a couple of strategies that are that I have in my book that yeah that will help people maybe get what I'm talking about here. One of them is um, being compassionate. So when your teenager talks to you, do you listen with compassion? I mean, do you just let them sort of tell you what's going on? The mm -hmm. flip side would be without coming up with trying to fix their problems. Right. Yeah. Because we do that a lot. We want to jump <laughs> We in do that a lot. Yeah. Just listening to it and letting them, you know, speak about it. So yeah. With an example of building connection that will allow that team to be comfortable opening up to you. And and then the other, you talked about passing judgment. Let's yeah. say the teenager says, you know, hey, my, uh, you know, Billy at school did something. You know, he he drank some beer this weekend. Mm -hmm. Well, as a parent, if you immediately pass judgment. And start saying, you know, well, that's all wrong. He needs to never do that. But, you know, you, you start into that kind of conversation. Is your teenage son ever going to tell you about it again? Yeah, uh, probably not. You, you haven't <laughs> been a safe place for him to share that information, right? Mm -hmm. and that's about listening with compassion and being forgiving. Um, the other one, another interesting one that's a real challenge for parents is the idea of being present. Oh, yeah. And I always say, Trust me, your teenager, especially boys, they're not going to walk up to you and say, hey, you know what? I need to talk for a minute. Can can we talk? I mean, they're mm -hmm. never going to say that to you. Right? <laughs> yeah. But at the same time, they might be a little bit, you know, maybe they don't say anything, but you can just tell they're a little down or something. Mm -hmm. And they're ready to talk, but it's up to the parent to turn, shut their phone off, get away from their email, turn the TV off, whatever it is. Yeah. Hey, get off social media. Yeah. It, it's like... <laughs> You know, and really turn and focus your attention. Again, think about it as service. I'm being of service to the team. Yeah. Um, you know, do you have something you need to share? I can, I'm going to focus right on you, give you 100% of my attention. You know, what is it kind of a thing? And so yeah. that's a way to build connection. And I'm not doing that from a, a friend might do the same thing, right? But I'm still doing that from the perspective of being the parent. So, mm -hmm. Uh, that's how I would challenge that is, you know, go ahead and build that connection, but do it. You can do that as a parent. You don't have to be, you know, act like a 16 year old to be able to do that. Exactly. And actually another great thing just to, to put there is the idea of, I, I use this premise of seeking to understand. So whatever, you know, you, when you ask the teen, you know, what's it like being a senior in high school today? Mm -hmm. Let them tell you, um, and part of that, you're acknowledging that you're not their friend. You're not another senior in high school. Mm -hmm. I'm a parent. I grew up 30 years ago or 20, you know, I was in, you know, 25 years ago, I was in school. I want to know more about what's going on for you. Mm -hmm. You know, that builds connection, but yet still allows you to be 
in a different generation, if you will, the parents, yeah. you know, having different experiences, but it's, it's a way to sort of bridge that gap. So, yeah. Yeah. I like that. That's good. What about, you know, because I've been thinking about this one as you've been talking, when it comes to connecting with your teens, is it wise to be vulnerable with them and say, hey, you know, this is some of the things I experienced as a child. Is it okay to do that? Because sometimes we feel like, well, if I tell them that I used to drink when I was a kid, you know, <laughs> is that going to make them do the same? Or being able to let them know about you as a teenager kind of builds that connection and you know you still tell them hey I don't want you doing that kind of stuff but yeah I understand the pressures of it you know is that a is that a good thing to do as a parent I would say you'll love this it depends right <laughs> <laughs> that's not a very good answer but I'll just I know it, it, it's it, an honest it, answer it, it depends on the child I mean yeah. that answer is different for a 13 year old than yeah. for a 19 year old Right. Yes. Yeah, that's you true. Know, and, and to be honest, my wife and I, we have different conversations with our as our children were older than we do when they were younger. And so, maybe mm -hmm. you know, a 19 year old, you could share some of that uh, yeah. information about what you went through. But the other thing I would emphasize again is that while you feel like you have an understanding of what your teen is going through because you went through it, you really don't. Mm -hmm. Teenager today's experience is completely different. I say completely. It's a lot different than yeah. yours when you were a teenager, right? Yeah. And so I think we need to acknowledge that and acknowledge that to the teens. Say, hey, you know, I, you know, our experiences are different. That's why I'm saying, you know, seek to understand. Try to understand what's what kind of pressure do you feel to drink um, right now? I yeah. remember when I was a kid, this is what I felt. And that's where you could share what you felt. You know, I would go and we would have, you know, beer would be at a party. You could share mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. It felt like it was part of the conversation. Yeah. But then it's like, well, what do you see when you go to parties? You know, maybe they're seeing people taking ecstasy. I mean, we don't. Yeah. You know, so it's completely different. To, um, to connect on that level. So I think it depends on the conversation, the child. Mm -hmm. And there may be times where it's appropriate to share some of that. Um, yeah. And, and to be vulnerable is it can be a good thing because it, it helps in some ways it, it helps the teen to feel like it's OK to be vulnerable. You're modeling that behavior. So when the teen needs to be vulnerable with you, they're comfortable in doing it. Mm -hmm. right? You know, you've modeled what it looks like. Yeah. Because you've done it before as well. So, um, yeah, I think that it. There's times where it can be appropriate, but in some cases, like say, especially if they're younger, maybe yeah. it's not time to have that conversation. That kind of conversation. Yeah. yeah. Have you had um, any parents that come to you that felt like, okay, I've done everything I think I can do to try to connect with my child, but they're still kind of acting out? And what recommendations or what advice can you give that parent that feel like I'm just not getting through to them? Yeah. And they're still kind of acting out and I don't know what steps to take next. Yeah. It, and it happens. I mean, mm -hmm. and that's part of the journey. And, yeah. Um, you know, you just, it's kind of like, um, what's the old analogy of a, a, a somebody that works on stone? You know, you hit it, you hit it, you hit it. <laughs> All those hits you think aren't doing anything, but eventually it cracks. It cracks. Yeah. And, and I would encourage that kind of a thought process for the parent. You know, you just continue to engage and try to connect. Mm -hmm. and while it doesn't may not feel like you're making progress i think a lot of times you are and it yeah just, it's, it's a slow it's like a drip a slow drip and so you just continue to do that that being said there are some things you can do that can help to i think amplify or or sort of ramp up connection mm -hmm. uh, one of the great ones is the idea of a shared experience mm. um, I'll just share. It's a, it's a it's an interesting story. I just love it, and um, this is one that'll be interesting to see. When I sometimes when I tell it, I get those tingles. You know, it's just it's one of those that hits you emotionally. Um, so I was talking to a uh, family minister, uh, you know, a guy who runs a family ministry at one of the local churches, mm -hmm. and he shared that they do this um, event they called a mud run, and it's mm -hmm. for mothers and their daughters. Oh. The premise of it is they have like a mile long course on their campus and they hose it down. They get it all muddy and it's got obstacles, right? They're up and mm -hmm. under and over and through things. And mom and the daughter sign up for this and they make their way through this mud run. It's just kind of fun. You know, it's something mm -hmm. to do with experience. 
Well, the kicker is the mother has been instructed before the mud run to write a letter to their daughter. Mm. And the prompt is, right now you're not very beautiful, right? Because she's covered in mud. <laughs> but here are, here are all the reasons why I love you and I think you're beautiful. Mm. And she lists it all out. And what happens is at the end of the run, the, the mothers and the daughters are done. The mothers get handed their letter and they go sit by themselves. And mom gives this letter to the daughter, right? And the daughter reads it. And you can imagine it's a super impactful. Yeah, it is. It creates a bond between that mother and that daughter. Mm -hmm. And he told stories of he would hear back from kids, you know, the daughters that had been through this experience. And they'd say, you know what? I took that letter with me to college. My freshman year, I bet I read it 50 times. Mm. Right? It was, it was a way to reconnect back to home, reconnect to mom, um, you know, through that. So that's an example of a shared experience, which if you're having trouble, you know, if there's a particular child where, you know, maybe that connection feels like it's struggling, mm-hmm. you know, doing something really sort of outside the box like that. Um, might be a way to sort of break that break that down. Um, yeah, so just, you know, I like that. You know, there's a lot. You just got to keep at it, I think. Yeah. You know, parenting is not easy. <laughs> it really isn't. And like you said, I like the fact that you said it's a journey. And I think that's probably the main thing that as parents, we need to keep in mind that it is a journey because each age is different. The child is different at every stage from the four to the six to the 10 right. to the 13. It's a journey. And I, and I like that a lot. And especially when it comes to teenagers, because let me ask you this one question before I'm going to bring the show to an end. Um, should the connection start earlier? And if it does start earlier, does it con- you continue just to build off it from there? Or can a person, as soon as they hit 13, okay, I'm going to start building connection now? I, you start building connection the minute they're born. Okay, right? yeah. And it's all, all along the way. And it's just mm-hmm. sometimes the strategies are a little different when they're teenagers yeah. than they are when they're younger. Um, I'll give you a classic example from my family. I have grandchildren, right? Yeah. And one of the, I'm called Papa Jim. And one of the, <laughs> the things that Papa Jim does especially with the little ones, you know, the two, three, four-year-olds, yeah. is I give upside-down hugs, right? So I grab <laughs> them, I flip them upside down, and we get a hug, but it's upside-down, right? Yeah. So that's an example of a physical contact, and it's a playfulness, and that's mm-hmm. a way to build connection, right? So you do that all along with your kids. Yeah. And you, and you should be looking for ways to build, you know, the, the nighttime routine with a four-year-old. Mm-hmm builds connection whatever that routine is that you have yeah um, so you're always in and, and to be quite honest the the more you do that when they're young you're going to have that connection when they're a teenager then yeah if yeah if, if you've missed those years though i will say it's never too late you know love has a mailing amazing healing attributes and yes if you start to engage with love i don't care how old they are you're going to be able to to build that bond and that connection. And actually there are adults and I've heard, you know, and you've heard these stories too, where Mm -hmm. a parent and a child haven't spoken to each other for 20 years and dad's 65 and the child's, you know, 40 and Mm -hmm. they reconcile. They are able to, to heal that relationship and it's through love that they get healed, right? It's forgiveness. It's compassion. I mean, that those are the things that help those relationships to be healed. And so on, I would just say it's never too late. So even if if you haven't built those can that connection or and sometimes, you know, like say parents go through a divorce. Yeah. You know, and so dad and child or mom and child, that relationship gets disrupted during mm-hmm. that period. And maybe that's from the time the child's five till 10 years old. And so you sort of miss some of those years and those opportunities to build connection, it's never too late though. You can always yeah. regain that. And that's, that's the amazing part of love is that yes. it's never too late. I like it. Love and a growth mindset. Cause yeah. I think the, that is completely important. One more thing. Can I, I just mm-hmm. add one more thing for the parents yeah. from a perspective standpoint. I like to encourage parents to think of parenting and the process of parenting as a personal development program for you, 
right? Yes. The parent deserves to have a life that's full of joy, purpose, and, and peace. And parenting can be a great place to practice the skills that allow you to experience that. It can transform mm-hmm. your life as much as the teenagers, I guess is my point. And yeah. Go into it under the premise of this is helping me to be a better person. This is helping me to experience more peace and purpose in my life too. And so it's not only for you, it's for the teen. It's for both of you. Yeah, I love it. You know, listen, any parents out there that need coaching, need help, you got to go over to the Family Enrichment Academy. <laughs> because, I mean, you've talked about so many great things. And I love the fact that the basis of everything is always to lead with love. You know, and I think that's what we need to do more as parents to move away from fear and to move more with love, Jim. So listen, I, I appreciate you being on the show. I got to bring you back because 40 years being married is a show all to itself. You have so much wisdom that you can offer us as married couples. I'm coming up on five years on this, um, on tomorrow, actually. I thought it was five was tomorrow. And I love talking to people who've been married for years because you get so much wisdom, so much advice on how to make it work. Because <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> yep, that'd be, I'd be uh, happy to do that. It'd be kind of a fun. And it just is a little bit of backstory. So my wife mm-hmm. and I met when we were 15. Oh, so wow. It, it's a long-term love story, if you it want. It is. I'd be happy to do that. Uh, yes, I do. To be quite honest, that parent relationship is critical to the child as well, right? If yeah. It's, it's, if it's healthy and it's in effect, you model what it's like to be in a healthy, loving relationship. And if Through you can parenting. do that, you're, the child is, I always say the children are watching, right? They see yeah. what's going on. They so, do. One of the keys for being an effective parent is to have an effective relationship. And that makes me think about so many more questions I could ask you, but I'm because it makes me think about parents in different parenting styles. And then how do you deal with that when one parent can be more of a disciplinary right. where the other parent can kind of be like, ah, just let them do it. And then they kind of bump heads because I have, I have friends who are like that, who husband and wife who are really different and they really bump heads when it comes to how they want to discipline the kids. Yeah. And if you think about it, when you say discipline, sometimes you know, part of where I'll go is, is that more of a fearful, a fearful yeah. mindset or a love based yep. one? And, yep. and sometimes, and to be honest, the, the parent that lets them do anything or so as they can do whatever, sometimes that's that fearful mindset too. Yeah. It, it's like, you know, I, I don't want to take responsibility for it. <laughs> yes. so, um, you know, and that, that is very common for there to be differences because we, you know, the parents grow up in different homes. Yeah. So their ideas and their, the way they feel like, um, you know, their parenting styles can be different. But it yeah. all can be worked out. And and part of my message is the more love centered, the better. And it's not all it doesn't always work. I mean, you're not always going to get it right. And yeah. you know, sometimes you just don't. And so yeah. part of the growth is being able to acknowledge that and say, Okay, what it's can a I journey. Learn from that experience and, and move on, try it again. Try it Yeah. Time. Like you said, it's a journey. Absolutely. Listen, we got guys, you gotta pick up the book on how to be the parent your teen needs you to be. Is that the right I got the right title? Yep. Yep. I got it right. Yes. So we got to pick that up. Everything for the family enrichment, the book, everything will be linked down in the show notes and also um, on the podcast notes as well. I appreciate you, Jim, for coming on. Before we end the show, I ask all my guests, what advice, what was some of the best advice you received from a woman, from like a woman? Could be your wife, could be somebody you met. What was some of the best advice? So probably from my wife mm-hmm. and... um so a little bit of context around it in that I, my wife is the outgoing vivacious one. And I've always been more of the internal, you know, the, the introvert, if we, if we, yeah. introvert, extrovert, she was always been more the extrovert. I've been more the introvert. Yeah. And her, you know, she's always encouraged me to let people get to know me more. Right. Mm-hmm. For me to be more forthcoming and like what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, you know, the idea of, you know, my, perspective, you know, sharing that more openly and being willing to share that more because from her perspective, you know, I can have, be able to help and serve other people. And Mm -hmm. she felt like I wasn't serving other people to the level that I could. Yeah. 
it's you know there's a lot of truth to that and so that's something that i'm trying to lean into more and step into more is the idea of how can it's like being vulnerable right yeah it is put myself out there a little bit more and to Mm -hmm. share this and to write the book you know you write it down and you hand it to somebody it's like (laughs) fearful responses you know what are they going to think or what if they don't yes yes you know it's it's part of the process and Mm -hmm. um you know for me and what's interesting as i do that I feel more on purpose, which mm-hmm. makes me just, you know, I feel more purposeful, more fulfilled as I do. Yeah. So it's good for me. So that's why yes. it's, it's great advice. Yeah, it is. That, that's really good advice. Well, listen, I'm glad she encouraged you to do so. I have had a really good conversation with you. I felt like I could have continued to talk because I have more questions I could ask you when it comes to this parenting thing. And I appreciate you for being on the show. Listen, guys, I really hope you enjoy this episode and you're going to get a lot out of this episode if you're listening or watching on YouTube. I am Shawnee Sanders. This is the Girl Techno Podcast and I appreciate you guys for watching and we will see you next time. Thank you for listening to the Girl Techno Podcast. We really hope this episode gets you one step further in your dream of becoming an entrepreneur. If you like this episode, please leave us a review. Once you leave us a review, we will shout you out on our next episode. Now, in order to qualify for the shout out, all you have to do is leave a review, screenshot the review, tag Girl Techno Podcast in your stories, and you will get a shout out in our next episode. Until then, guys, thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you next time. What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads, buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now at Hero.co.